Welcome all to Stretch Podcast. I'm your host, Eugene Torrance. We're here making a stretching difference. Welcome our special guest, Lance Matters. How are you doing today, Eugene? I'm fantastic. Happy to have you here. Um, you, I know you've been busy and got a lot of things going on with the teaching and classes and stuff like that. So I appreciate your time. So let's dive on into it. So sounds great. So uh, I know that you are an expert in this field uh, because I've took some classes from your dad and you've been there too as well. So today's conversation is about stretching. Stretching is very, 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 very important that people take it for granted. So we're going to leave the floor with you. So what is the okay. purpose of stretching? Purpose of stretching is to increase and maintain the range of motions of your, your muscles and joints. Stretching is probably one of the most overlooked part of training. You know, most people, when they're going to the gym or they're warming up to go perform their activity, one of the last things they think about is really to go out there and warming up their tissue and warming up their body. They kind of show up to the to the location. They might take a short walk or a jog. To, as everyone used to say, you get to the field and let's take a short jog to warm up your muscles. And, you know, they might do a couple jumping jacks and toe touches and off we go, which is kind of the way we've always put the analogy to it. It's kind of like putting the cart before the horse. You notice when, let's say, even an animal, when they get up in the morning, the first thing they do is that you'll see them, they'll stretch, they'll arch their back, they'll move their legs around. But basically, so stretching, you want to prepare your body for what you're, you know, one wanting to undertake to help prevent, you know, injuries and, and also just to perform a little bit better. You're right. Yeah, you, you would think that. I know a lot of people I've seen at the gym, they go in, the trainers, they have them do a couple of things, get on the treadmill, warm up for a second, but they're not actually getting that body ready, that muscle ready for the activity they're going to get into. And uh, yep. and I do understand that's where injuries come from, that correct? Exactly. See, and that's one of the most important things I always tell, because we teach a lot of personal trainers what to do with stretching and, mm -hmm. and kind of how to get people prepared, because trainers don't really have a ton of time to work with their clients. If they're lucky, they have an hour. Mm -hmm. But most of the time you see I'd, a lot of the big, you know, the big box centers, they've only got 20 to 30 minutes to get as much done as they possibly can. So they usually all put the stretching off on them, you know, for people to do themselves or, you know, a lot of the cardio they have to do themselves. So one of the big things I try to teach personal trainers is try to incorporate stretching into your program and let them know that, listen, we're going to do some stretching for 20, 30 minutes before mm -hmm. we get started. Okay. And here's how stretching is going to Im improve and Increase your performance and what you're trying to accomplish. Now, I noticed – now, I've been to gyms. I go to gyms quite a bit. So uh, I noticed that I watch trainers train, and it, and it kind of makes me want to pull my hair out uh, because I noticed that a lot of trainers are not a student of their craft, and they're not offering input. And some of them get caught up in the rut and can go on through the motions, and they don't give their clients their all. And and a lot of them, I noticed, they don't talk about stretching. They think they say stretch is not really important, just this, that, do this, and that. It doesn't make any sense, and uh, and I it kind of makes me cringe to watch them work with their clients well, and not give them proper input. Well, that's the thing. A lot of a lot of trainers haven't been taught how to properly stretch themselves out. So mm -hmm. to teach somebody else how to do it, it's it's kind of a foreign concept to them. You know, a lot of the trainers you'll see out there are ex-athletes. They've mm -hmm. they've already been through it. They're the football, baseball, basketball players that, you know, they finished up with their careers, their college, you know, some of them professional or just the high school athletes. And then they're out teaching. They take a couple classes and a couple weeks you become an expert personal <laughs> trainer and you're able to go. Yeah, that's funny. So it's it's really hard because, you know, they're they're really banking off their knowledge base of what did they learn when they were going through the training? It's not so much what they learned in school. It's what did they, what, what did other people teach them? Yeah. And it's hard when you're busy to go out and take a lot of classes and a yeah. lot of courses and it's kind of navigating to see, okay, what's important, what's not important. So we try to really stress to a lot of these trainers to, you know, come in and learn how to do it. Even if you don't have three days to take a class or something like that, you know, go online, learn the, you know, learn the craft, learn how to stretch properly mm -hmm. because just the stretch really, you know, to say, well, I've stretched out. Well, 
there's a difference between, you know, stretch type number A and stretch, you know, B and C. There's so many different types of stretching out there that you really want to learn the correct type of stretching or what we feel is the correct type of stretching because it's, it's hard to big box and say, well, everyone's got to do this. Yeah. We just have a type of stretching that really works well for people and you know, so that's what we've encouraged people to learn how to do. So let me ask you a question. Now, I had an employee I was working with. Uh, she was a trainer as well. But the problem I came into with the trainers is that is the touch. They don't understand how a joint feel, how a tendon feel. When it's too much, I know you say, I know it's some amount of pressure you're giving a client. But when you don't yep. understand how it's supposed to feel and where there's an entrapment, or bone on bone, a lot of trainers don't. I don't think they know that kind of have the information, knowledge, and information to understand no, about that. That's that's a lot of things that trainers don't understand. Um, what is the range of motion of the joints? How much um, range of motion should a joint have? You know, it's a lot of times when I work with clients, it's like when I'm stretching out their hamstrings and their leg is straight and they're they're reaching up toward the sky. If I can get them up to a 90 degree angle from the ground. I would say that is good range of motion for, you know, just the average person who wants to just feel good and Mm -hmm. be able to stretch 90 degrees is perfectly acceptable. Okay. I always tell my athletes, if you want to prevent pulling a hamstring or having some sort of problem, you want to get to about an extra 30 degrees plus. So you want to get to, you know, at least 120 plus degrees Wow. because you think when you're running, you know, you're not going to pull I'm not going to have to worry about my runners pulling a hamstring. Wow. That's good to know. Good information. Okay. So, so the stretching is for this blood circulation, increasing lactic in the muscle, uh, elasticity in the muscle tool. And so they can track and flexion and contraction and, uh, and help elongate the muscle as well. So, and yep. I do understand that stretching when you are damaged tissue and tissue is damaged, uh, the fascia usually forms to the uh what's the word uh their imperfection or the change yep, in the start posture to build a little bit of scar tissue mm-hmm. well fascia is you know one of the largest things in the body is fascia fascia surrounds all the muscle tissue all the organs in between tissues everywhere in the body it's you know from the top of your head to your toes there's fascia so everyone says, well, we got to, you know, stretch the muscle out. Well, you're stretching mm-hmm. the muscle. What also has to gain some elasticity through this is the fascia, yep. which works good with the stretching is, you know, as you're doing the movements, the muscles have to stretch and then the fascia has to stretch. Yes. But then we get into, you know, one of the things that helps the, fra- the fascia to stretch as well is doing the stretching which we'll go into a little bit more about um, what active isolated stretching. I keep saying our type of stretching. Active isolated stretching is a little bit different for those that aren't, a, you know, aren't used to or heard the concept of it. Mm-hmm. Some have heard what they call the two-second stretch. Okay. Well, the two-second stretch was invented by my father, Aaron Mattis, and basically it, it sounds just like you know, what it says. We're only holding the, second, the, the stretch for two seconds. Okay. Where does that two seconds start? It starts at the terminal end of the movement. So if I'm lifting my leg up, stretching my hamstrings, when I get to the very end of the movement, I'm only holding that stretch for a maximum of two seconds. I always teach people when I'm working with them because, you know, I have to show them exactly what to do to follow through so they're able to do this for themselves. I'll teach them they get to the very end of the movement and they have to voice out. Count it out, 1,001, 1,002, back to the bottom. Okay, so, so you're so you, so you saying at full extend, right? Yep, at full extension, we only hold it for two seconds. seconds. Okay. And then we return to the starting position of the movement. Okay, like a reset. It's like you're giving your body a break to actually do the same thing again. Yep. Okay, constant and reps, with, repetition. Yep, and each time we go back to the start, we're reloading that muscle full of blood and oxygen, bring in nutrients back into those muscles and then we're going to raise that leg up and we're going to stretch it out so with each thing we're almost pumping the blood in and out of those joints and then out of the muscles and it lubricates everything around there so your joints your joints are moving it gets that warmed up for the activity 
gets the fascia moving and it gets the muscles moving. Okay. So we've got three components of that, of the, you know, the leg basically to, to get things going. You know what? I tell my clients, I said, I said, stretching is like the two second of hole is like getting on the water. If you go in the water and you hold it too long, then, you know, you suffocate, you get oxygen, your muscles start to do micro tears and you start having issues. So if you hold it for a, so many seconds, you have time to recover and then redo it again, and you gain more oxygen that goes to the muscles to actually help improve the recovery. Is that correct? Exactly. Yep. Yep. With every single movement, we're reoxygenating that muscle. It's like if you take a, a swimmer in a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. When they, they go underwater and they're going to hold their breath for 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds, when they come up, they're gasping for air. Well, the muscles are the same thing. Yeah. If you're going to hold the stretch and hold it for 30, 60 seconds, and there's no blood and oxygen getting in those muscles, then you start feeling the the muscle starts to almost fight back, saying, "Whoa, I've had yeah. enough. Please take me back, so yeah. I'm not in pain." Then you, you well, go, your Golgi's come in, uh, jump in. Don't you stretch Golgi's? That's exactly right. It's the Golgi tendon organ, which is your fight or flight mechanism mm-hmm. in the muscles, and they're they're the actual whole thing. The premise behind this whole bit of stretching is how the Golgi tendons work. Okay. You know, that was based off of, you know, a professor at University of Illinois, you know, close to 70 years ago, wrote uh, you know, a whole paper on Sheraton's law, Dr. Sheraton, okay. which says that, you know, at a certain point, the Golgi tendon organ fires off after about 20 seconds. And I'm kind of, you know, rudely, you know, summarizing what he said, but after two seconds, that's when you're supposed to, you know, kind of release the GTOs. So and that's kind of the premise of what my dad took a look at that and mm-hmm. goes, well, you know, that makes sense. So why are we holding a stretch for 60 seconds you know and what? only doing one rep? You know what? That's, that, added, that, that bothers me all the time. I see people bending down, touching their toes for like a minute or two or as soon as the ground opening. I'm like, why are you doing that? You just, you're just killing you. You're creating a problem for yourself. And I see people stay on the curve, do curve stretches with their calf. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, at it is what it is. And then also, too, I think uh, I think a big misconception has come up because these stretch places are popping up all over the places, and they're not – they're offering their type of service, but the general public don't really understand what they're actually getting, if I'm, if I'm saying that right, making sense. Yep. Well, and a lot of the places that are opening up, I've there's several of them that are out there that are doing the correct type of stretching that, mm-hmm. you know, there's a couple locations around Boston and stuff that – you know, it's people that we have trained years ago and, you know, they just change, you know, what we call active isolated stretch to, to something similar, which, you know, we never trademarked active isolated stretching. My father was a professor that just says, you know, I'm out here to correct things and to make a difference. And he wasn't one that looked at all legalities and cop, you know, we copyrighted all of our work. So people have changed and calls, call it little different things. Mm-hmm. And, but the, the main concept that really sets off our stretching from others is this is a total active movement. Yes. Which means the person who's doing the stretching has to engage their muscles doing the active stretch. So it works with the agonist-antagonist stretch reflex. You have one side of the muscle working to move and lifting, let's say you're you're lifting your leg up. So if I'm going to stretch my hamstrings, I'm going to use my quadricep muscles to mm-hmm. lift my leg vertical past getting to 90 degrees, possibly further. And while I'm lifting that leg up, my brain is sending a message to my quadricep muscle to lift the leg. Okay. The brain is also sending a second message to the other side, to your hamstrings, that's saying, you need to relax. Okay. So what happens if you're doing a, a passive movement, there is no firing of neurons to either side of that. Wow. Letting, okay, do I need to contract, relax? What do I do? Just lay here and go along for the ride? No, no memory. So there's no real, it becomes a full passive movement with no able, no way or you know, ability to tell where the end point of the stretch really is. And that's, that lies the problem for a lot of people you say the first time you stretch someone out is like, well, how far do I go? And my answer is always simple. It says, how far did they go? You go just, you help them a little bit at the end yeah. with only three to six ounces of assistance. Mm-hmm. And then you take them back to the center. And then we do multiple reps. So we do these in sets. 
we may do eight to 10 reps, you know, with, let's say if I'm working with an athlete, just trying to get them ready for competition, I'm going to do eight to 10 reps with them, get them warmed up and they're ready to go in all the stretches. Let's say if I'm working with someone who's, you know, they're coming back from, let's say Parkinson's or, you know, have Parkinson's or a stroke. And I'm really trying to get the muscle to learn to fire and to do things correctly. Mm -hmm. We may do multiple sets. So we may do, you know, two sets of 10 and cause we're trying to teach them how to refire those muscles. Yeah, the motor skills. Yes. I agree with you. Yep. Okay. So let me ask this question. So I noticed that when you tear a muscle or strain a muscle, what matter of fact, let me ask this question. So what is important after you damage a muscle for preventive injuries or post after muscle has been damaged, they say, Hey, eyes rest, don't touch it for like two or three weeks. And I know knowing that when that process happens, scar tissue sets in. Now this is only the exception. If you tear a muscle or if you break a bone, there's some total difference. This is not this. This is only, I think this is acute, acute injuries. So what is yep. the process we're looking at when you injure uh, synovial fluids collective around the muscle, scar tissue builds up? When do you start doing stretching therapy? Depending on the injury, let's say I have an ankle sprain that nothing has been broken, no, nothing is torn away from the bone. I will take an ankle sprain and start working with it immediately. I've, I have a young girl that I work with on a weekly basis. Um, She's one of the elite tennis players in the world. She is 14 years old and ranked in the top 200 in the world for the um, for ITF tennis. Okay. And she came in one day, or I was working with her brother, and basically her dad was, you know, basically carrying her in. She had just sprained her ankle on the tennis court. We got three days till she goes to play the Davis Cup for the Junior Davis Cup for for 14 year olds. Mm -hmm. So I got just a couple of days to put her on a plane. Otherwise, they have to cancel and find a replacement. So we started immediately. So we started, well, first I started with ice, and we started with ice and some gentle, you know, not really a massaging technique with it. I'm not a massage therapist. Is it circulation? But we used, yep, so we used the, the my favorite thing to do is I take Dixie cups and I freeze them with ice. Uh -huh, and we yeah. use the ice in a circular <laughs> massage. Yeah. And we work to get the swelling down on it. Mm -hmm. As soon as I get the swelling down and things are feeling a little bit better, then we started doing the active movement and stretching. Okay. We stretch the ankle out and get things moving because it wasn't a, you know, her, luckily her uncle's a doctor. So he took a look and knew nothing was torn and things like that. So we were good to go. Once we did that, we got things moving. We actually started with the strengthening immediately, starting to get the muscles to fire again. That's good, yeah. Okay. We, we finished through that, and then we ice to finish. So, so, so that that's, the, that's basically the process that you do with a, a performance athlete, an athlete that's yep at the top of the and game. And a lot of people today, you know, ice is the big thing. After you know, a hundred years of using ice, now they're telling us not to use ice. But what you know, after working with some of the, you know, I've been very fortunate growing up in a household with someone who works with a lot of big athletes and stuff for years you know everyone i've ever seen with injuries we always started with ice with the injury and you know it's worked good for us for years some people don't like ice but it's always worked for us so we we continue with the with the, the process and it continues to work you know what so my, my idea of ice is more or less like it once the injury occurs ice to me i may be wrong slows down with the flow of the blood of the circulation in that specific exactly. area and then when it slows it down you have you increasing you increasing a certain amount of blood, red blood cells, white blood cells to come into the area by warming it by doing certain movements because you got to send troops in for recovery. And that's my ideal and I'm thinking about ice is to help minimize the circulation in that specific area to get the proper help, assistance to the area yep. to kind of help it recover. Am I wrong on that? No, it's, you're exactly right. So what we start out with the ice comes in, you cause um, vasoconstriction. Bio, bio so mm -hmm. the cells and everything, they shrink down and they close up. Okay. Well, then what we do is when we start moving again, we start getting the vasodilation. Yep. You're okay. opening up those blood cells again. So what we're getting is a pumping sensation. So if you, it's like a lot of people say, okay, you sprained your ankle, let's put heat on it. Well, that's kind of like I'm going to go to a fire and say, I'm going to put it out by throwing gasoline. Yeah. As soon as you put heat on something, heat warms tissue. What happens when you warm tissue? It draws more blood into yeah. the area. 
So what happens? You throw heat on an ankle sprain and it'll blow up like a balloon. Yeah. So what we do is we start with the ice. We ice it down. We get everything start to control the swelling. Then we start the movement. So now we're moving that that tissue and lymph back in there and getting all the, you know, any, you know, damaged tissue and things like that. We want to really get the oxygen to that so it can start the healing process. Then when we're all finished and we've, you know, did a little strengthening work, depending mm-hmm. Some people, if it's a severe sprain, you won't be able to do a lot of strengthening work at first. Yeah. Then we'll ice it at the end, and then we'll put a compression wrap just to give it some extra support. Or a lot of people like to use um, the uh, kinesio tape and stuff, yeah. which is great as well. The stabilization. So then we'll put the because the kinesio tape really helps with uh, um, one of one of my father's good friends, Mike McGillicuddy. Really, he's a a therapist who works with a lot of the Olympic athletes out of Orlando mm-hmm. has really showed me a lot about the kinesio tape and everything. So it's, it's something that, you know, it helps with the healing process as well. Really? You know, af- yep. So not just, uh, some people just put an ice bandage on there, but instead of doing um, the ACE wraps nowadays, I started using the kinesio tape with a lot of these athletes because then it's something about how it pulls on the skin and actually yep. helps to open up the, the fashion, everything. So it continues the healing process through the whole thing. And the nice thing is I can, you can still ice over it. And then yeah. before I'd work with them again, I take the KT tape off, mm-hmm. work our range of motion. We start with the whole process until the pain is gone and, you know, they're able to go back to activity again. You know, I do agree with you because I've took a class on kinesio taping before and it, it, it works. It works really well and in assisting to what you have going on already, but you still got to do the work first and use it yeah. as a support system to kind of help yourself get back to where you need to be at. So, well, and it's important too. It's, it's, you're also going to teach the person how to do the strengthening. And that's where the trainers can, they can kind of fill in a lot of the gaps that a lot of people don't know what to do in between and how many, you know, athletes or people really get access to a physical, you know, physical therapist or to medical or something like that. I always tell massage therapists, personal trainers can kind of fill the gaps that traditional medicine really doesn't get to because, you know, in medical is, it's a tough business. And it's, you know, if you don't have the money to go to doctors or therapists, something like that, but it's, you're more accessible to a massage therapist or personal trainer. So I always, you know, I try to educate the personal trainers and people like that. So they can kind of fill in the gaps where, you know, people really can't get access to others. Yeah. And, and I, and I do agree with you, but right now in a day and age, like you just said before, that a lot of trainers getting a bad rap because you can pay, you can pay a couple of dollars and get a personal training certification. So I, I do yep. believe that you need to be a student of your craft, especially when you are, when people are counting on you for coming to you for your help and your expertise, and you need to at least take a look at all the options to be able to uh, take care of your clients. Or if they're not your clients, or if you know somebody needs some help, you can help someone out to kind of keep the party sure. going. Well, you look at, let's say a person comes in for surgery and they have a total knee and everything, and they're a Medicare patient, they have a total of about 30 days, if that much, of physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when they leave there? They go back to their gym. And that's why I always I, I enjoy seeing I've got a couple trainers at the gyms that I, I'd watch to see what they're doing. And a couple of my clients would go to them for training and things like that for personal training. And it was interesting when they saw the different, you know, limitations they had or mm-hmm. problems from total hips and they knew what to do to kind of modify their and one gentleman, he was, you know, he spent 20 years as a Navy SEAL. And I would watch how he trained his athletes mm-hmm. and I would look at and say, you know, you really know what to do with all age groups from the young and to the old. It's really impressive. And he says, well, when I get out of the, when I got out of the military, he said, I became a student of my craft. And he said, I learned as much as I could. And, you know, I, it was, it was interesting for me to see someone who really took such an interest like that. And because you could see a lot of the different techniques, he wasn't just doing one type of thing. There was, mm-hmm. he was crossing many Many different things there. Really, that, that and that's rare because I I haven't seen that in my lifetime, and I've yeah, been around it, for a long really time. It, it it irks me really bad. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, you know. Well, a lot of personal trainers are kind of hamstrung by you know. I, the sad thing is, a lot of the personal trainers nowadays have to be salespeople, so yeah. they're spending more time trying to sell you know memberships and things like that than actually getting to go out. 
always say I wish they had these big gyms just had salespeople that did their job. They did sales. Mm -hmm. Let the personal trainers concentrate on the human beings. Let them not have to sit there and keep pushing what they're do, you know, just let them go out there and help people. And, uh, you know, they're the ones on the front lines that are really changing lives for people. Yeah. And and I do agree with you. Yeah. I call them, they're like unofficial doctors of, uh, fitness. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So question. So let's uh, move on. So, what is AIS? I don't know if you emphasize on this or not. So let's touch base. What's what's AIS? What is it all about? What does it mean? You know, okay. kind of fill us in on this. Yep, active isolated stretching. Um, this active isolated stretching is coming up on 50 years old now. Um, my father, like I said, began. Um, he created active isolated stretching. It was, you know, it's come up with. It was a different name years ago where he just he didn't really have a real name for it. It's just known as a two second stretch. And, mm-hmm. and people would always say, well, I didn't really know the name of it, but I used to see people all the time on the sides of, you know, professional events and, you know, the sides of the Olympic, you know, track and stuff. And they all were stretching with ropes. Really? Well, I would say, yeah, that's, and then you would see them short, you know, holding it for two seconds. Well, that was, you know, basically we didn't have a fancy name for it back then. And, you know, eventually he got to the name of, you know, finally got to the point of naming it what he did. And that's why he never bothered trademarking because back then it was just a work in progress. Yeah. We'd get, you know, putting it out there and it was about getting people right. So with active isolated stretching, like I said, we only hold the stretch for two seconds. And you're using the agonist antagonist stretch reflex. So you're using one side of the muscle group to stretch the other side. With each, you know, each stretch, it has to be an active movement. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people say, well, how do you do this for yourself? You know, activize, you know, it's great. You can go to a trainer. You can have a massage therapist do this. Everything, every movement we do, you're able to do for yourself as well. Okay. And that's where people would see where, you know, they're using a rope on the side. And always say, well, the rope is a assistant to you. It's not the main mover. So yeah. you don't use the rope as the prime mover. No, you don't. You're right. I got you. Nope. So the muscles do the movement. One side is doing the lifting. The other side's doing the relaxing. And then let's say I'm stretching your hamstrings or your groin muscle or something like that. You know, to go through the whole body and to stretch. And it's funny because I've got... I've got it all down in an order where it takes three hours and 24 minutes to stretch every muscle in the human body. And, and I do agree with you because I've done a session like that for <laughs> to cover everything. It, it's it, it's quite a bit. And a lot of, you know, like I said, you have to know anatomy and know what what angles, what what works with what movement. And it yep. also too sometimes you get stuck like this doesn't work. So you got to go back. And what did I what step did I miss? I need to go back to do yep. this and then go back and do this. So I got to open up the calf to do the hamstring. You know, so you got exactly. to, it's a process. You you can't just jump into it doing this stretch. I'm like, did you, did you cover your bases first? Did you go to foundation first to jump to that, jump to that yep, uh, area? It's everything. It, it opens the active isolate. We've got it all set up in a systematic way of where you can systematically stretch the entire body. It's like, if I'm going to work with a client, my normal routine, they come in. Most of my clients, I only have an hour to work with them. Mm-hmm. To truly stretch the whole body properly, it takes me about two hours if I'm going head to toe. So let's say you came in to work with me. We would start with your shoulders and stretch out the total shoulder. Let's say, let's just go to that um, aspect. You have a low back problem. Aaron's like, okay, you got a low back problem. We're going to stretch the back. Well, the spine is, you know, the back involves the spine. It has attachments, common attachments from the shoulders to the lower body mm-hmm. and the lower body up toward the shoulders. So we always start with the shoulders. We're going to open up the total upper body and spine area, get the shoulders moving correctly. Cause a lot of people low back, they're also going to have like a kyphosis where you get that rounding of the shoulders. Mm -hmm. They start leaning forward. Most of those people, if their shoulders are leaning, leaning forward, then they say, well, yeah, I do have some breathing problems. Well, it's because your shoulders are coming forward, compressing the diaphragm with the ribs and everything. So we start with the shoulders, open up the shoulders, get everything movement. There's roughly about, uh, I think there's 33 to 36 muscles in the shoulder. So it takes, you know, a good half hour to really open up the shoulders by themselves. So then we move on to the neck. Mm -hmm. So the neck, a lot of times when people have back problems, they start to get that turkey neck where Mm -hmm. they get, you know, a flattening. They don't have a curve in their neck anymore. They're leaning forward and they start getting a little waddle in the front. 
So I, t I start to teach the people. Okay. Now you remember, you know, when you're a parochial stool, they said shoulders back, head back. You start to teach them, listen, let's get the, the diaphragm to open. Let's get those shoulders back, get your mm -hmm. head back where it's going to belong. Because if your whole body's leaning forward, the center of gravity moves lower down and then it rests right at the low back. Yeah. And so then we, you know, so we can get that all opened up. Some people, you know, if I've got two hours to work with them, I'll move from the neck and then I move down to the, to the hands and wrists and something like that. But most of the time, then I have to move down to the, you know, open up the low back. We start with the hips. We get the, all the hips opened up. We're starting with the, you know, the, psoas muscles the first thing we open up mm -hmm. so the psoas attaches in the low back flips through the hips and comes down to the femur yeah does the weakest point of um the psoas is the low back you have a strong femur and you have i forget there's you know 40 something attachments to the psoas and mm -hmm. uh and the low back so you have a lot of small attachments yeah you gotta work really on... tight yeah yep yeah. So we open up the, you know, open up the psoas and then we move on to the quadriceps, to the groin. So with each stage, you're opening up one layer of tissue to the next layer all the way through Great. until, you know, Great eventually we huh? get to, and then we eventually get to the back. Yeah. But we've gotten everything open. So then the back can move free. Yeah. Cause I, I never work. If somebody tell me you have a back problem, I never work on the back. I usually generally start with the, sometimes I start with the hips, neck, shoulders, and I do a lot of yep. hamstring and glute work too, because most of the time, if the glute's not firing, especially if oh. it's a lower back issue, and then and also too, I look at the foot quite a bit because it depends oh, on exactly. how you're stubbing, sitting, if you're exercising, squatting, and if you're yep. running, how how is that big toe? Is it curved in off to the side? You got bone spur there. It lets me know that you're not pushing off of your heels yeah. driving your glutes you're pushing the ball of your foot which causes your knees to have problems it causes you the forward, forward lean so yep i i look well, at that stuff like, too oh yeah a lot of people when they're looking they're like okay we got to stretch his hamstrings are tight you know i said did you stretch the glutes out first well no i says well the hamstrings run under the glutes yeah so if the glutes tight it's going to push on the proximal end of the a hamstring and it's not going to move no so you got to open the glutes and you know it's that's why, you know, teaching people and they're like, wow, that's a lot of steps. I says, well, I said, our business is word of mouth. Our word, you know, how good a work do you do? Yeah. If you just do so-so, you're, you're going to be treated so-so. If you do stellar, I always tell people, if you're good at what you do, you're never going to look for business. <laughs> I do agree with and you. That's, and that's why my father's been in business in Sarasota over 40 years. And it's funny because I'll go into the clinic at times and I'll hear him and some other old timer cackling in there. And, you know, I talked to my dad. I was like, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, he's been coming in and, you know, coming in every once in a while for the past 35 years. Yeah, that's good. So if you do good work, you you know, and we've never had to advertise our business because you do good work. People will come to you. Yeah, and that's what I do with therapists around the country. I've got, we've trained probably 10,000 therapists around the world over his past, you know, 40 plus years of teaching. And I know, you know, if, if someone's needed in your area of the country and I know you're good, yeah. you know, we have it even on our website where we send people to a therapist because they've been trained, they know what to do. Yeah. And then we can just refer them to other people to, to learn how to do it. So that's, that's the importance of really learning and getting good at it. Because you have other therapists in different parts of the country that will refer to you as well. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask this question. So we're going to move on. So what is, the, what is the reason for lack of flexibility and, and why did we get injured? I know that all that kind yeah. of works together. Well, and, and basically worldwide today, because we've pretty much become a population of very lazy people until the pandemic just started mm -hmm. it's amazing that you know it's amazing how many people are stretching now since <laughs> you see everybody's walking biking or running yeah so which is which is this if anything comes out of this disaster that's the only thing i've seen that's worth it darn but usually the lack of flexibility in today's society is from the sedentary lifestyle Everyone is sitting on their butts from the little kids playing video games for, you know, nine hours a day to, you know, you look at most businesses today, you're sitting at a computer, you're, mm -hmm. you know, 
most of my clients that I work with, you know, anyone over the age of 18 are usually businessmen and they're sitting at their chairs for how many hours a day into the night, you know, sit in a seated position. So the whole time they're seated, their psoas is getting tight and, you know, they're sedentary. So they just gain weight. So then I work to get them healthy again, get them, you know, I can tell one of the, one of the, headquarters of a major business in town. I work with the CEO on a weekly basis and he's had a, he had a bad back for years before I started working with him. But a good First guy. thing I said is, all right, you need to get a high low desk at your thing. He goes, really? I said, yeah, you sitting for eight hours a day. He goes, at least this is, well, now you're going to sit, your back's going to get a little sore. You're going to do a, I showed him a couple stretches to do. He has a little mat that he does the stretching sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and then he can stand up and, and use a high desk. And a lot of the businessmen I work with, I've encouraged them to do it, not only just to give their uh, back a little break, but also you're also engaging and you're having to use the glutes. And, you know, some people, they use the little bouncy balls. They'll sit on rocking back and forth, you know. So there's different things to kind of incorporate to get people moving again. But that's 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 one of the major things I've seen for the lack of flexibility is just the sedentary lifestyle. Okay. Okay. Because now the company I work with, uh, the the owner there, I met him through an injury that he had, and I was mm-hmm. able to come in to kind of help him rehab re- rehab himself and get himself back to point A. And he's actually progressed yep. quite a bit. And I know the company, and also too, they wouldn't and kind of added very desks. I mean, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say a name, but they added these desks yeah. to their employees' uh, situation. I know a lot of people they're not using them, and they just have them there and 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 i i think in my opinion i think they're okay because but there is always kinks and things because i don't agree with standing for a long period of time because it does cause yeah, yeah. retention of ankles backs a good sore. yeah yeah that's and then, why i always that's why i always encourage them to go back and forth you, you get tired of standing go back sitting you yeah. know things like that take a break go for a short walk things like that yeah you know because yeah, you know, like you said, you're one of the other lacks of flexibility I found is injury to a specific body part, you know, or area of the body. Yeah. Some of these people, you know, they have a bad back. What happens with a bad back? They don't want to move. Nope. Their hamstrings start to get short. You know, it's like you said, once their hamstrings start to get short, then you start seeing the calves start disappearing mm-hmm. because they don't want to walk because they're sore. And then you start seeing the whole, you know, they start looking like a, a question mark where they start leaning forward. And <laughs> yeah, look it up for so a quarter. Yep. Yeah, so you start getting them, you know, start working with the areas of the body to get them moving again. And But that's that's one of the major things is when there's an injury, you know, people, first thing they do, it hurts. I don't want to do anything. Well, yeah. when you stop doing something, it's the old-fashioned thing, use it or lose it. Yeah, that's true. So when something hurts, it's like, I've, I've had shoulder injuries. I've had four shoulder, you know, surgeries from playing football. I didn't want to do a lot of stuff. So what is the first thing I did? I stopped lifting weights. So Mm -hmm. instead of being a a 300 pound football player, I became a 300 pound something else. Yeah. Oh yeah. So then it it took me, it took me a long time. And and finally I got into obstacle course racing to kind of get myself into getting my body back in shape. So then I stopped looking like the state puff marshmallow man and got back into good physical shape again. Yeah, because so once that's good. Yeah, you know, once you have an injury, you've got to get them back and get them moving again. Yeah. So question. So what what are your thoughts on? Uh, I know a lot of people say, "Hey, I can't squat. I can't do any leg movements." What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, you see a lot, especially you know, I'm 47, and you see a lot of the guys with really big upper bodies and little tiny legs. Oh yeah. So you got to have a you got to have a little bit of balance to it, you know. I'm not one that likes to do a lot of leg exercises cuz having shoulder surgery I can't squat anymore, but I can still do the leg extension, leg curl because also as people get older, especially men, you start developing a lot of problems with the lower legs and stuff. Oh yeah. Those that sit for a long, you know, long periods of time, you there's a lot of, you know, neurological disorders and you know diabetes is running rampant through you know our country right now and what's the first thing they start doing they start at the toes removing toes and they work their way up so you know if you don't work with the legs you start losing that you know the circulation getting down 
The heart can only pump it so far. The first thing you lose sensation is in the fingers and in the toes. Okay. So I always tell people, you gotta, you have to work your legs. It just, uh, you know, if you're going to work out for an hour, at least spend a good 10 minutes, you know, or at least once or twice a week doing something with the legs, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of people, they, you know, it's one thing to, I always tell people, you see, there's two calf machines at the gym. One is a standing up, one is a sitting down. I says, well, why do you got to do both? Well, standing up, you're working your gastrocnemius. Mm-hmm. And when you're sitting down, you're working your soleus. Yeah. Well, the soleus is usually the one that's overlooked, but the Chinese call it the, the second heart. That's the major pumper of blood to the lower, you know, lower leg and foot. So I tell people, I said, you know, if you got diabetes problems and circulation problems, a lot of neuritis and things like that, I said, work that muscle. And they're like, wow, I've got, you know, a lot of times I, I've got a good friend of mine. He's, you know, I worked with his son quite a bit and I've worked with his daughter. Well, mm-hmm. he always complained. He's, he could step on a tack and he wouldn't know it. Well, I said, well, let's work with your toes. And he's like, man, now my feet hurt. I says, well, you got feeling toes. He goes, well, yeah. <laughs> you can feel, I said, yeah. But now we got, now we got to work on, you know, getting the rest of it healthy, but you know, that's important. You have to work the legs and you can't yeah. just concentrate on the upper body. You got to get the legs involved. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that. So I'm, I'm big on legs myself because I know when you older you get, the first thing to go is your legs because, like you said before, yep. you're not really training them. You're not getting stimulation there. So you have to keep that blood circulation going. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so well, uh-huh, I'm listening. Yeah, and another area, yeah, and another area why people lose um, the range of motion as well is, you know, you're going to get conditions that they just can't help. You have people that suffer from strokes, from paralysis. Let's say you break an arm, you break a leg, and they put you in a cast. So what happens as soon as they, you have some sort of joint uh, mobilization or a neurological type thing, you know, you're going to lose the range of motion. You're going to lose the muscle tone and stuff to the muscle. So then you have to work to gain that range of motion so you can start building the muscle as well. So it's even with the stroke patient. I said, well, there's no, there's nothing firing to it. You know, that was, that was injured with the stroke and this mm-hmm. type of thing. We still work to stretch those muscles out. The first thing you see with a stroke after about you know six months, you know if it's a serious stroke, the 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 hand forms in a ball and a, a closed fist and it starts just curling up toward the forearm. Yeah. Well, we start teaching the loved one. I said, okay, now when you go home, which is an important thing I teach people, you you teach, you know, get their helper involved, teach mm-hmm. them what to do because when they go. They're only going to see you maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Teach them what to do to work with the person as well. So we'll teach the person, okay, here's how you stretch the fingers out. And next thing you know, all of a sudden, you know, they may not have full function in their hand, but their hand is not closed up in a ball, mm-hmm. you know, in a ball all the time. So you start start working the areas that were affected due to an injury and start getting the movement going to it. And then you can start working on, you know, getting the muscle muscle structure back to it once you gain the range of motion. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you this question. So what is, you know, there's so many stretches out there and I, like, I think we spoke about this earlier. Uh, what is the difference in the stretching of other type of stretches? Now uh, I give an example. I went to a business and they stretched me and I didn't get anything from it. I just got moved huh. and, and I don't yep. think I've, I think I feel like I didn't get anything out of it. So and I noticed from researching, and people think stretching is all the same. It's not the same. It's more to it than that. So we have ballistic yeah. stretching, we have PNF, and we have yoga. Could you help us understand oh, the yeah. difference between all these stretches? Well, PNF is a type of resistance stretching. Basically, what you're going to say, I was going to stretch your hamstrings, for instance. You have to have an assistant usually to do this type of work. So if I was assisting you, I would lift your leg up toward the sky. I would take it as far as I can, and I would hold it there. So now I'm trying to stretch your hamstrings out by by lifting your leg up. So your quadriceps have never engaged whatsoever to lift your own leg up. Now I'm going to tell you, all right, use your hamstrings and push down against my hand as hard as you can. And you're going to have them do it until they get tired. And then I'm going to take that leg and I'm going to force it further up. So now I'm going to forcibly stretch your hamstring after I just wore the muscle out. Well, here, now I want you to go out and run the 100 meters. And tell me, how well are you going to do running the 100 meters? That's not good. 
No, it's, you know, you're doing an isometric contraction to try to wear a muscle out to do it. And, you know, it does have places for use if you're going to use it for isometric contractions and things like that. But as far as using it for some sort of stretching, if I was going to use that type of contraction, I would do it at multiple intervals, you know, up and down. But I always like active movement myself. So, you, you know, some of the stretching is that way. Then you have the ones that just completely passive. Come on my table, lay there, and let me move you. Well, it sounds all good in theory, and it may feel decent if they're doing it very gently. But then you get the real gung-ho guy that I'm going to – we're going to see how far this leg's going to go. So just huh. hold on and let's <laughs> roar. And next thing you know, Funny. they're walking out going, dang, I can't lift my leg. Oh, oh what you know oh well now i've got small muscle tears possibly or yeah. what they call micro tearing mm -hmm. i've got soreness i've got inflammation starting out so now i just got done and i feel worse than where i started yeah correct and, and then you have the ballistic stretching where you know you're gonna walk up and you see a lot of them and you know some of the things they're great for you know they call it the dynamic stretching where they can come up and you know, they're coming up in it's very fast, violent movements, you know, to try to get things going. Mm -hmm. I'm in favor of that if you're going to do it after you've already prepared and stretched out properly. Okay. Well, then you're starting because then you're using it more for, you know, fast twitch muscle, you know, muscle explosion and things like that. That's great. A lot of my tennis players and stuff, they do that before they get on the tennis court and soccer players because it's a, a fast, violent, quick movement they're doing through multiple different range of motions. Mm -hmm. and long as the body's prepared that's okay but if you're going to walk on the court and do that cold well now you start you know you don't know and then next thing you know say well i was on the court and this started to happen well did you do it when you were before you even started the competition or did you do it when you were on the court yeah so that's why i tried to really teach my you know because a lot of the athletes i work with I may only have them for a week or two at a time i may work with them once or twice a week while mm -hmm. they're in town and then they're traveling the, you know, they're on the circuit. They're they're traveling the world playing tennis. And, you know, they may be here for one week and the next week they're in Brazil to, you know, to Canada and then back to here. And so I teach my guys how to do the stretching for themselves. So yeah. that way when they get on the road, they're able to do it and to continue on because the coaches are there to coach tennis. They're not there to, you know, coach how to stretch them out. Yeah. I would love to have a, one of these tennis coaches one day say, you know, teach me how to do this so when i go on the road with these kids for a month i'm stretching them out yeah. and i'd be curious to see how much better they're all most of these kids are already tops in their game be curious to see how much better they do in the long run yeah and, and it, ex it extends their, the life of them in the sport too because it teaches them to understand their body and see when know when there's a problem and how to back back off and do the work to get yourself back to where you were oh, yeah yeah it's, it's all about reading and understanding what's going on with your body and, and if you don't understand what it's all about and you're not taught to understand that as a kid or whatever, you won't you won't understand when pain is creeping around the corner, oh, yeah. when there's an injury uh, about there's, to come up, stick upon you. There's so, there's so much talent right now in the country is, you know, basically worldwide that it does not, you know, those that are good in tennis or good in soccer, there's not much to differentiate you from another guy. So what is the extra edge that you're going to get to yeah. take you to the next level i you know growing up around it i used to run around the nick volatari academy all the time as a child because my dad was working with you know i can't name a lot of names but a lot of the ones that went on to win several wimbledons and things okay. like that and one in particular he sprained his ankle and it was a bad sprain uh -huh. well he wasn't able to play well he came in and trained for several weeks and he went up and won wimbledon now it's not because my dad was you know, all of a sudden a miracle worker to get him, but he was able to go play. We got an ankle sprain ready to get back on the court and we didn't have to deal with, you know, shin splints and yeah. problems like that. Because if you're sitting on the sideline, what happens after a couple of weeks, your rankings go down and all yeah. of a sudden you're not able to get, you know, <laughs> a lot of these kids, they try to get up in the top hundred in the world for ITF because they want to get in, involved in the better tournaments. Okay. If you're injured, you're not playing, you're not getting to go to, you know, you want to go to the French Open, you got to be in the top 100 in the world. Yeah, you got to Well, you're not going to go as a junior. Yep. If you're not on the court, they can't see you. And I say that to whether you're the weekend warrior or the world class athlete, 
if you're injured, you're not doing anything. Okay, so let's touch base on yoga now. I have a lot of clients, I, I suggest yoga, but a lot of them cannot do yoga because of the poses. It's difficult yep. to get into because you don't have any functionality in your muscles. So let's talk about yoga a little bit. Not saying yoga as being yoga, the movement, which is actually incredible, but for range of motion uh, to increase, you have to do some groundwork before you put yourself out there to try to do yoga. Yep. I always, we have a lot of yoga, yoga instructors that come to our seminars to learn how to do the stretching so they can teach their people how to do the stretching. So when they get in there, they've already got the range of motion. Some of those, you know, I've tried yoga. Um, I'm a bigger guy, so I'm not very good at yoga. But, you know, I look at it and go, wow, you know, it's, it's being able to sit and really concentrate and hold these, you know, it's, it has its place is what I could say. It's when difficult. I use it for strict, it's very difficult. And it's it's really good for muscle work and a lot of core work. Mm-hmm. A lot of my tennis players, they they do yoga and it's great for their core and you know, you know, kind of securing the structure around the mid the midsection is what I would say. Mm-hmm. But I always tell them, let's let's hit the flexibility first because then you're gonna be able to get into these poses. And hold these poses for, you know, some of them are holding them for several minutes or yes, longer. Yes. And if the muscle's not prepared, it's just like taking and doing a passive movement. So I'm going to, you know, if my hip rotators aren't, you know, flexible, am I going to be able to cross my legs? You know, to, you know, I guess they call it crisscross applesauce and mm-hmm. they, nowadays. Hmm. And they, and they actually pick their feet up and set them on top of their thighs. But, Unless you have the internal and external hip rotators, your groin muscles flexible, your piriformis, you're not going to be able to sit in that. And Maximum if you do injury. happen to get out of it, yeah, you're you're going to land up with a sore back or something like that. Or they'll say, well, then what you need to do is do hot yoga then. So then, you know, it'll warm the tissue up even more. Yeah. Well, that's, you know. Yoga's yoga, you know, whether it's hot or cold, it's, you know, yeah. you still want to have the body prepared before you sit in those poses. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's great in the long run. Just make sure you prepare your body before you, you start the activity. Yeah, because I have people that say, well, I said, how, how's your stretching? How's your range of motion? Oh, well, I'm doing yoga. I said, no, this is totally different. You cannot count. Yep. Stretching and yoga are two different things. It, it, it's, it, you're, not, you're not there yet. You don't have that engagement yet. And have that mind-body communication yet. So you have to start from A to B. Well, I thought yoga was supposed to help me get there. I said, no, that's not true. But we have told you that, you know, they're, they're misinformed. You, you have to do, still have to do work. Yoga is a form of type of muscle contractional movement. Yep. Stretching some totally. It's, it's similar, but it's not the same from what you're trying to no, do. Everything's got its place. It's like, you know, it, it's like, you're telling someone to go out and, you know, there's a difference between training for basketball and training for baseball. That's, you know, everything has its different training structure. So I always say you have to prepare your body a little bit different for no matter what you're doing, what the sport is, yeah. how I work with my swimmers is different than how I work with my baseball players for my tennis players. They all have different needs and, and it's also individual to sports. So, you know, you're going to have to kind of tailor just like training. You're also going to have to tailor your stretching for, you know, uh, a breaststroker has a different type of repetitive movement than a backstroker from, you know, from doing the fly. So it's, they're going to have different areas where you ha- really have to focus on. And, you know, it's about helping your client and, you know, kind of focus on what their individual needs are and, you know, listen to them, ask them what they're looking for, and then mm-hmm. you can kind of tailor what they need for them. Okay. Well, then that's, that's actually pretty good then. Cause you know, that sheds, that sheds a light on, uh, this subject about stretching, uh, because I tell people what I do, like stretching line, whatever, man. Uh, but I like it's it's more than what you think it is. It's it's a lot more yep. detail, really detail work, and it's not just like you run to these places that are popping up now around town. Yep. I'm in Texas. You got stretch places all over, all over, all over the place. And a yep. lot of them don't really work with you. They they ask you questions, but they do the work for you. And oh, yeah. And it, it's not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's productive for the client, but right now no. the, the stretch area is really new right now. And, and yep. it's, it's kind of buzzing right now and things oh, are yeah. changing. I've had, 
I had a gentleman about five years ago come to me who manages a hedge fund. He says, you know, stretching, you know, it's in a Wall Street Journal, stretching's a big up and coming. Why mm-hmm. don't we open it? Let's, he says, I've got a, I got a bank check here. Let's franchise this all over the country. I said, here's the problem. I've just become nothing but a businessman. I'm going to take my dad's stuff and just spread it. And sure, I can spread it all over the world, but how can I do quality control? Make sure it's done okay. correctly. Make sure. So what I've always done is encourage the individual practitioners. You can basically, I get emails. I've got a company in the UK that I'm working with. I've got companies in Ireland, Scotland, mm-hmm. you know, multiple places in the world that, you know, we've taught them what to do. And when they have questions, they, you know, they reach out and we do continuing education to teach them what to do to deal with things. Mm -hmm. So we're always trying to help. And that's why we do seminars in, in Sarasota, Florida and have different people that have learned this work Mm -hmm. that go out and teach these things, you know, to different places in the world to educate, you know, educate the professionals, how to work with other people. It's one thing to work with clients it's another thing to teach those how to properly do it for themselves. Yeah, and you got to be open-minded because, like I said, I've taken Aaron's class. I think I've taken Aaron's class. I took so many Aaron's class. I've followed. Yep. I've been to a lot of Aaron's class. I know this stuff like the back of my hands, but like I said, each time you come back, you learn something new. Like I said, it's, it's just, like I said, this is what I do here as a brand. This is my business that we offer. And we oh, just, yeah. I believe in the services, you know, there's not no such thing as one, one fixer. There's always a component yeah. of different things that go together to kind of help the client. Yeah. And it's all about making a stretching difference. It's all about helping the next person oh, yeah. and put them in a well, good I, position. Well, I can tell you, I said during these seminars and stuff where we teach people, we have people like yourself that have been to multiple seminars. Um, one that always sticks in my mind and people are saying, well, when do you know it all? And we always chuckle because it's the same a same group of us that are usually assisting my father at this. And he says, well, when we figure that out, I'll let you know. I've probably been doing it the longest besides my dad because I grew up watching people. Mm-hmm. You know, I was changing weights in the clinic, you know, when it was because the whole clinic in, in Sarasota originated out of our house that he turned a garage into basically a, a therapy center. So I would come in and he'd set me next to the pulley and I would change weights. You know, we had an athlete by the name of Henry Lawrence. I could, you know, it's, it's been out there publicly so I can use, and I used to sit there and I'd change his weights and he was playing for the, the Oakland Raiders at the time. And next to him was another gentleman by the name of Tim Johnson who played for Penn state later on and went on to play with the Redskins with a lot of famous people. Mm-hmm. And so I, I grew up around it and we, we kind of chuckled. We said, well, we're always learning and there's yeah. my dad will see me not doing something quite right. And he will not hesitate to correct me right on the spot and say, okay, you, you know, your hand, the foot's not turned this direction. Cause every one of these stretches too, when you're taking the class, the dynamics of where the, the positioning and the angles of movement, the angles of the structure of the human body mm-hmm. are very precise. Yeah, it is. That's why when you come, when you come to a seminar, they're three days long. And people's like, really, it takes that long to learn it? I said, well, he said, if you're going to learn, you know, 100 plus exercises, both actively and passively, plus all this, you know, starting with the head all the way down to the toes, Hmm. it takes time. And then we also work to teach, you know, hands on teaching them how to do it themselves. So we teach them how to stretch themselves out, teach them how to assist them. So we pair them up with other people to learn this because, once you go out in the world and, you know, I can walk you through some things on the phone, but we really encourage people to come in and get as much learning as possible, mm-hmm. you know, especially while Aaron's still teaching it. You know, he's been doing this. He's 78, going to be 78 this year. There's only so many more years he's going to be physically active to do it. So yeah. we always encourage people learn as much because no one's ever going to, you yeah. know, be around one, one of our, one of our main people up in Clearwater, Florida, um, his name's Eric Wilson, and he'll tell you. He said he comes to anytime he's got a class, he'll come down, and he'll laugh. He's been he's been doing this over twenty years, and he said, "Yep, Eric will still critique me." And he says, "But you know what? I take it home." And he works with you know was a welterweight champion of the world mm-hmm. for boxing. He yeah. said, "But he applies this stuff on a daily basis, so he'll come down and learn." And like yourself, everyone, the more you knowledge is power so the yeah. more you can learn the better off you are yeah the person out okay so 
before, before we before we leave, before we end this chat, uh, tell us about the class, when the class will be, where can we go to and learn information about people that hear this okay. that's interested in the program. Okay. Yeah, our next class, if we can have it, depending on what's going on in the world with this whole COVID business, well, it's supposed to be in October here in Sarasota, Florida. We cut off the class classes right around 40 people because we teach them. And if we get much bigger than that, you really, it's hard to really focus on working with people. So it's a, uh, they're three day classes, they're 24 hours of learning. And we encourage people to do as much time and learning as possible, you know, at the class and to really know the techniques. And we have two different classes. One of them is the basic class, which teaches you how to do the basic movements you know, just the regular stretching, how to work with the client through the whole process. Then we have a assisted class or a um, advanced class that teaches you how to work with different problems. Let's say you're working with someone with a total hip who's had a total knee. You know, there's limitations that, you know, the older hips are, you know, not as good as the newer hips. So, you know, when you're bringing the midline from the body, you know, which, which movements and how far can you go? We kind of get into that, how to kind of prevent any mishaps that might happen if you don't know how to work with different problems. And then we also go in, how do you work with a, let's say someone who's had a stroke? How do you work with someone? So we go more out of the stretching into the clinical strengthening. Okay. So then you can teach them how to work with that. So okay. yeah, a lot of and right now it's, yep. And right now it's going to be where we're hoping we can have the have, you know, have the class in October, but with everything going on right now, it's, I said, I really can't make any guarantees if we're going to have a class this year because, you know, I don't know with social distancing how we're going to be able to do it. So there's some other options you can do. We've got, you know, books on our website. Um, our website is www.stretchingusa.com. And on the website, we have books that take you through all how to do this work. And they're, they're structured that teaches you you know, there, I think it's over a thousand photos in the book that teaches you basically how to go through it. Um, shipping is hard to do nowadays. So we do have online videos as well. So on our website, there's a section that has the online video. So you can click on there and it teaches, we have a video for doing the active stretching, which is stretching yourself. We have a online video, which once you purchase, they're $35. Once you purchase it, it's yours. You can download it, you can, you know, stream it, whatever you want to do. But we have the active one, which is a stretch along where you'll see the model who happens to be my son, mm -hmm. who is, who's the third generation. He just graduated from college this month and is going to be coming to work with the family business as well. Okay. So you can stretch right along with the model from head to toe. It's, it's three and a half hours long. So there's all the stretching you'll ever want to do. And then we have an assisted video, which will teach you the basic hands-on what to do to stretch someone out. It's very user-friendly. We made it so if if I've got the layperson that wants to work with their loved one at home, we had to make it, you know, comprehensible for the layperson as well as, you know, still structurally sound for the healthcare professional. So okay. we have the video on that that will allow you to learn how to systematically stretch someone from head to toe as well. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, yep. so um, I, I guess we, co we covered a lot. Uh, and I think this is a lot of information people can take in and, and uh, take a look at the program. And, and I can vouch for the program personally because I've been through all the classes and I've been through so many, so many hours of just travel time and you know, uh, come to class, and I, I do, uh, I do approve this program. It's actually phenomenal. You'll learn a lot more about yourself and your own personal flexibility, and two, you'll be able to help others out as well. So, last question before we end this: uh, yep. Where do you see wellness therapy uh, going from here with this pandemic, or in general? That is a really, it's a really tricky thing because I, I, I have a strong feeling that. Um, at least for the next year, social distancing is going to be a major undertaking for all of us. So it's learning how to walk your clients and work with them, 
you know, even if it's over, you know, right now, Zoom and things like that have been big. So being able to walk your clients through things without you laying your hands on them, mm-hmm. um, be as knowledgeable as you can. So you can you can take a look at what they're doing and saying, OK, here's how we you know, can do this from here. And being able to incorporate different wellness in the structure that's around you, because it's it's real easy. I it's, it'd be real easy to be a trainer when you're, you've got a multi-million dollar facility and all the bells and whistles around you. It's another thing when you, you know, we're having to do that right now, everyone. How do you think out of the box and say, okay, what do I do at home? How do I train this client? We're, you know, my son came from, came home from college. He wants to lift weights. Well, can you order a weight set online? No, there's still weight sets to be found. So you got to go out and figure out what to do for yourself. You can have the, teach them how to do, you know, whether from kettlebells to small exercises, setting up cardio routines. So people are going to really have to study and learn to think out of the box because it's, it's really easy to take them from machine to machine and say, all right, plant your butt here and do this, yeah. plant, but, and, and go from machine to machine. And it's pretty much, you know, almost a mundane type structure where now you're going to have to think and really, look outside and say, no, okay, now how can I make this work? And those that, you know, figure out how to make it work are going to survive this disaster. And those that aren't are, you know, Publix is always hiring and looking for cashiers. And, you know, (laughs) so a lot of us are going to really have to work to to make a go of this, you know, with what's going on, because I'm finding even with my business, it's it's very restrictive what I'm going to be able to do when we're yeah. able to start working with people because, you know, it's hard to tell who's safe and who isn't nowadays. So we're going to have to really be able to think out of, outside the box to keep ourselves, you know, keep ourselves safe while helping others. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I do appreciate you being here today and sharing your knowledge and understanding of what is stretching what is AIS, uh, what is stretching in general, uh, and why, why it's important for us as you know humans that we walk around and make sure our body is active on a regular basis. So, all righty. So, guys, thank you all. Thank you for having me. Yeah, okay. Thank you guys for tuning in to Stretch Podcast where we're making a stretching difference. Uh, we're out.